0: Controlling blood sugar and weight gain in a pregnant woman with gestational diabetes is challenging. Listen how a lower-carbohydrate diet is helping solve the problems. You're listening to ReachMD, and I'm dietitian Kathy King. With us today is dietitian and certified diabetes educator Lily Nichols, the author of Real Food for Gestational Diabetes, the first book to advocate for nutrient-dense, lower-carbohydrate diet. Lily has nutritionally managed hundreds of pregnant women with gestational diabetes and trained thousands of medical professionals through government and healthcare programs. She now has a virtual private practice in Alaska. Today, we will be discussing using a lower carbohydrate diet for better gestational diabetes control which helps produce a healthy baby and a healthy mom. Lily, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you so much for having me,
0: Kathy. Yes, and I think people are going to be interested in how you first got into working with women with gestational diabetes, but also what's being recommended and how does your program differ?
1: You bet. Well, I've always been fascinated by the interconnection between prenatal diet and fetal development. So when an opportunity came My way to work with the California Diabetes and Pregnancy Program, Sweet Success. I eagerly took the position, and from there, I really got into the complexities of prenatal nutrition and fetal programming, which is how a mother's diet and lifestyle can impact the genetic expression and disease risks of her baby. And I was also able to implement the conventional gestational diabetes diet, the one that the Sweet Success Program recommends, in clinical practice and see firsthand where it was lacking, and and how it could be improved. So when I first put those guidelines into practice, I was pretty disappointed that they frequently failed to control blood sugar levels. But instead of believing that my patients had, quote, failed diet therapy, as it's usually called in practice, I realized maybe we could be doing more with diet therapy. Maybe the diet therapy was failing them. And don't get me wrong, medicine and insulin are very useful tools for controlling blood sugar, but I believed we could do a lot more nutritionally before resorting to them, and I always found it really interesting, you know, gestational diabetes can also be called carbohydrate intolerance during pregnancy, so I really found myself at odds with the carbohydrate recommendations of 175 grams per day, at minimum, for pregnant women, because it's a fairly high carbohydrate intake for some women. I mean, if a woman has failed a glucose tolerance test that has 50 or 75 grams of of glucose, it doesn't make much sense to me to give her a diet that contains 45 or 60 grams of carbohydrate at a meal and then expect that her blood sugar control is going to be good. So that kind of led yeah. down the path of researching, you know, where the standard of care came into place, yes. where the evidence was to support it and, and some of the holes. And so that led me to develop an, an alternative approach, which is a lower carbohydrates than the 175 grams. And the carbohydrate level is is matched to a woman's glycemic control.
0: And your results have produced many healthy babies and moms. Uh, What are the physical main symptoms and biochemical symptoms that have come from this?
1: The results that we've had clinically are, are pretty amazing. I mean, a lot of clinicians are used to seeing a fairly high percentage of their women Fail diet therapy, about 40% is what's expected. So our rates of requiring insulin and medication are generally very low, and the potential side effects of uncontrolled blood sugar that you often see, like babies that are born too large or difficult births or complications like preeclampsia, are very, very low when they're following this type of of diet therapy. And we do have some nice research showing that a low glycemic index diet used during pregnancy can actually reduce the chances a woman will require insulin by 50%. So it it goes right in line with with how we operate. You asked about the physical and biochemical symptoms with gestational diabetes.
0: Yes, I did. If you could talk about what are the levels in blood sugar that you're looking for and what what can you achieve using your diet?
1: With gestational diabetes, what we're actually working with is insulin resistance during pregnancy. So that usually means that a woman has trouble maintaining normal blood sugar control, especially if she... Over consumes carbohydrates because carbohydrates are the primary macronutrient that raises blood sugar levels. In addition to what's going on with the blood sugar, sometimes we see carryover effects on other systems of the body, especially like blood pressure levels. As your blood sugar goes up, your blood pressure tends to go up as well. So, women with gestational diabetes, when their blood sugar is not well controlled, they're they're more likely to develop preeclampsia uh, during their pregnancies. So, the typical Gestational diabetes target ranges for blood sugar, I'll say they vary depending on which research method or study you're going by, but if we're going by the strictest standards that are used internationally, the fasting blood sugar is ideally maintained less than 90 milligrams per deciliter. One-hour post-meal blood sugar is ideally less than 130 milligrams per deciliter, and if they happen to be checking their two-hour blood sugar, it should be less than 120 milligrams per deciliter. I just want to add to that, though, that we we do have some research showing that even mildly elevated blood sugar levels, even within those target ranges that I'm talking about, so just above what a normal pregnant woman experiences, can increase a mom's risk of some of the complications of gestational diabetes, such as having a, a large baby, a baby born with high insulin levels, which puts them at risk for hypoglycemia at birth. But also developing type 2 diabetes or metabolic syndrome as children by the time they become adolescents. So there's questions raised about whether we should be sticking with these blood sugar goals or even going lower in the blood sugar goals. And that's something that will probably be explored further in the next couple of years in research.
0: You're listening to Reach MD. I'm Kathy King, and I'm speaking with dietitian and certified diabetes educator Lily Nichols. We're talking about using a lower carb diet for better gestational diabetes control and results. Lily, if you wouldn't mind briefly discuss your lower carbohydrate diet and how it works.
1: First of all, like I mentioned, the carbohydrate recommendations are are different than the standards. So I often go lower than 175 grams of carbohydrates per day, although it depends on a woman's blood sugar control. So I do have people who are at that level and do just fine. So there's not a one size fits all. The carbohydrates are matched to where a woman's blood sugar is at both fasting and then after meals, so it's very personalized. Second, I emphasize that they consume quality fats in their diet, so our government nutrition guidelines are still kind of leaning towards a a lower-fat diet, even in in spite of quite a bit of evidence saying that fat is good for us, including saturated fats, so the diet does include plenty of fats because fats help keep us full. They stabilize the blood sugar levels, and they also include a lot of important nutrients that a baby needs to grow properly, like vitamins A, B, E, and K, and they also tend to come alongside some of the most nutrient-dense foods in our diet as well. So that's also emphasized. In general, though, the meal timing becomes a bit important as well because we want to make sure that a woman's blood sugar is not going too high or too low during the day. So we often have them eat three smaller meals during the day and also have snacks between those meals that each have a balance of fat, carbohydrate, and protein plenty of non-starchy vegetables.
0: Lily, could you tell me, are there any risks involved with the lower carbohydrate diet?
1: Well, I'll tell you that the primary reason clinicians are afraid to endorse the lower carbohydrate diet for pregnancy is they've been given what I consider outdated information regarding ketosis. And this is a topic that's fairly complex. I devote an entire chapter to it in my book, um, Real Food for Gestational Diabetes, because it raises so much controversy. But The short answer is that when a woman's eating a low-carbohydrate diet, she may go into low-level nutritional ketosis, which is actually very common during pregnancy, even in women who don't reduce their carbohydrates. It does not carry the same risks as starvation ketosis or diabetic ketoacidosis, and it also does not negatively impact the brain development of a baby. So the big warning that clinicians are usually given is that if a woman goes into ketosis, the brain development of the baby is going to be affected what they don't realize is that the research showing that is diabetic ketoacidosis, which is a completely different state metabolically that is extremely rare in gestational diabetes and is almost solely seen in women with type 1 diabetes or pre-existing type 2 diabetes that no longer produce insulin and require supplemental insulin to control their blood sugar levels. And somehow they've failed to take the proper dose of insulin, and they end up in that very metabolically dangerous state of diabetic ketoacidosis. But that's not what you see when a woman reduces her carbohydrate intake.
0: What kind of success have your patients achieved over the years with using your program?
1: Well, one of the great things is the rates of women requiring more complicated medical interventions during their pregnancy goes way down when their blood sugars are well-controlled. So the number of patients that require insulin medication is far lower than usual, or if they do require it, as you know, a lot of women will require it for controlling their fasting blood sugar, for example, their doses tend to stay lower than somebody who's following the usual recommendations. Now that I have a book out and reaching a broader audience, I get stories in my inbox almost every day with success stories. So one that recently hit my inbox was a woman who said, About a month ago, her numbers were so bad that her doctor told her she'd have to go on insulin or medication. And she started following the diet advice in my book. And within a week, her blood sugar was well controlled. A month later, they did an ultrasound to see the the growth of her baby and the growth of her baby had slowed to normal. She was discharged from her high risk OB. He was so impressed with her glucose readings and her blood pressure was normalized. He's like, I don't you're no longer high risk. Like you have a very mild case of gestational diabetes, I don't need to follow you. You can go back to your regular OB. So that that really means a lot to me to know that it is making a difference. And, you know, it's not just about blood sugar control, but because we're focusing on real food, I mean these moms are getting a much more nutritionally balanced diet, like way more micronutrients, vitamins, minerals, et cetera, than they would be if they were following the usual recommendations. So knowing that there's this you know, positive carryover effects for their baby lifelong is, is just huge.
0: That's wonderful. How can physicians and patients find a dietitian with knowledge on this approach? Besides your book, I think that's exciting. Is there any other way that they can do this?
1: I'm the first dietitian to publicly seek out and endorse this sort of approach and, and line up all the research to to back up this way of doing things. So there's there's not a lot of dietitians that are doing it but my book will be available for CEU credits for dietitians. And so I'm hoping that through that, I'll have more dietitians who are well-versed in a real food, lower-carb, nutrient-dense approach to managing gestational diabetes.
0: Good. We'll be looking forward to that. Would you please summarize for us what we should remember about the low-carb diet and gestational diabetes?
1: Well, I would say that, first of all, the customize the carbohydrate level to your individual patient's glycemic control. So it's going to vary. Some women will be able to do well with a slightly lower carbohydrate diet. Some people will do well with a slightly higher carbohydrate diet, and that's totally okay and totally normal. I would also say make sure that when a woman consumes carbohydrates that she's also having it at a mixed meal or a mixed snack, meaning that there's also a source of fat and protein at the meal, preferably some non-starchy vegetables too, because that'll lessen the glycemic impact of the carbohydrate on her blood sugar levels. And I would also say just one more thing to throw out there, to have patients reduce their intake of sugars, including the naturally occurring sugars. So a lot of times we think healthy eating and think of having lots of fruit and low fat dairy products and sometimes those are those are fairly high in sugar. So having women eat whole fruit instead of juice, minimize their portions of fruit, consuming I recommend full fat dairy products because the fat helps to minimize the spike in the blood sugar levels and Gives me, some important nutrients, that'll also help with blood sugar
0: levels. You know, I, I need you to clarify one thing. When you say that you vary the diet, the carbohydrate intake by the woman's blood sugar, how is that done on a daily basis or do you check it on a weekly basis? Or is, how is the woman taking care of her blood sugar at this time?
1: So during pregnancy, blood sugars are typically monitored first thing in the morning, fasting blood sugar, and then after each meal, so after breakfast, after lunch, after dinner, at either the one or two-hour mark. And so if we, for example, if they're working with a dietitian one-on-one, they would come in with their blood sugar logs and also food logs of what they've been eating. Hopefully, that includes their activity levels as well. And I mean, just like, just like with type 2 diabetes, we're taking a look at their, their pattern management, so to speak. So when are their blood sugars typically coming out high? And um, if they're coming out high after breakfast, for example, we might want to reduce the carbohydrates at breakfast.
0: So basically, it's on a weekly basis they would come back in and then be reevaluated at that time?
1: For the most part, yeah. And I would say typically in the beginning, clients, depending on how they're doing with their blood sugar control, because some women have a really easy time, they're a little more carbohydrate. Tolerant, so they have a little more wiggle room in in what they eat and how their numbers are. But we may need to see them two weeks in a row at the very beginning, and then they get a hang of it, and then we might follow up monthly or even less than that. It really depends on a case-by-case basis.
0: My thanks to our guest dietitian Lily Nichols. We've been discussing using a low-carb diet for better gestational diabetes control and results. Again, thank you, Lily, for being with us.
1: You bet. Thank you for having
0: me. I'm Kathy King, and you've been listening to ReachMD. Be sure to visit our website at reachmd.com, featuring podcasts of this and other series. Thank you for listening.